We are still reading the 10 matters in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 21. We're going to read them every single week until we know them by heart. Uh, but today we're going to pay attention to a specific section. So here we are with the Exodus 20 passage. Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or any alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance. And Moses said to them, or they said to Moses, excuse me, you speak to us and we will listen but do not let God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of God upon you so that you do not sin. And then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Excellent. And then two brief texts uh, from the New Testament. First of all, the gospel reading from Luke chapter six, Verses 44a through 45. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then from James, chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. Woo. God. Oh. All right. Um, I've been kind of excited to get into this one, Jules, and I, I know you have too. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just want to let everyone know that I think it's out of that excitement 
um, to talk about taking the Lord's name in vain and to talk about swearing, that you uh, really dug in and did some fantastic exegesis about this particular commandment, uh, which we traditionally talk about um, using the Lord's name in vain, right? And yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm excited to hear some of the work and some of the thoughts that you have, but right off the top, I think we should talk about swearing. Can we please? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to say right away about taking the Lord's name in vain and swearing? I mean, so if like we talked about idols earlier uh, this month, and if that's the one that we all accidentally fall into and almost can't stop ourselves, and we're about to stop talk about Sabbath, and I think that's the one that we all break the most often, this is the one that I think we think we understand quickest and ignore and then like assume that it is about some puritanical right mother's like shaking her finger in your face and saying don't say a bad word right, right. or even and close to it right to the point where we sit you know we we take a bad word and we turn it into something else that's like mildly weird or ridiculous but like gives us the feeling of having said a bad word whatever mm -hmm. those are right i have a ton of those yeah. i say good gravy all the time right well, yes and and um uh, I say uh, um, sugar beets or jeez, yes. um, uh, which is really close. And I remember getting sort of in trouble for that one. Oop, yeah. It's right on the edge. I, right? I'm a heavens to Murgatroyd kind of girl myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say, God bless America. God and bless America. He's just thoroughly and clenched. Here's the thing is that is not what this is about. And I think that off the top, people will be like, oh, don't swear. Or don't say um, Jesus Christ as an expletive, right? Which, you know, might be like something we want to talk about, like what is what's happening there. But yeah. for the record, for the rest of this conversation, we are not talking about cursing in the like bad word style. That is not what we are doing because it is clearly not what this text is about. Yeah, and I, I, I actually think... And by the way, I have to um, uh, point out that in my research, which was not as thorough or as um, academic as yours, because I just went looking for a t-shirt that I remember seeing when I was a youngster at like Christian concerts that said, God's last name is not damn it. Um, and in the course of looking for that t-shirt, I found a fantastic YouTube video um, with a song that's called Damn It Is Not God's Last Name by Frankie Lane. And I cannot wait to share that. Hopefully people will get a chance to see that. That was tons of fun. Um, but the, my, my whole point in looking for that is I actually think that beyond the fact that we're not talking about that, I think reducing this commandment to uh, talking about swears, essentially, is really dangerously yeah. not taking seriously what this commandment says. I like oh, the yeah. that this is the NRSV version that we read from, right? The yes. NRSV version of, of, of Exodus. And, and I like that it, it does a little bit of help in, in translation saying, you will not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. And I think that's where that's even more serious that swears and i think that's why the consequence or that there's like the lord will not acquit anyone 
yeah. misuses this name. I think it's really serious. And so this is why I think right off the top dismissing and saying this is not about swearing is important because it's about something much more critical and important. And you are doing some of that work. So um, where did you go with some of that? Well, it made me ask the question, because this is, this is the same thing as blasphemy, right? Like old-fashioned language around blasphemy. Mm -hmm. And um, it made me wonder, like, well, what does it mean to take something in vain? And what is blasphemy really? And so I, you know, what I found is that it's really related to idolatry. Um, there's a Hebrew word, shav, which means like um, kind of evil, destructive, ruining, um, especially around morality, like um, to be idolatrous, to be false, to be deceptive. Um, there's a lot of meanings around this word. But really, when you get down and dig down into how it's used, it's to like take something on that's not yours. Mm. And um, it's so this this is really related to false witness, a later uh, matter that we're going to talk about. And to that first set of um, commandments that we already talked about around idolatry and who God is, this one's sort of a pivot point in some ways mm. around who do you think God is? Who do you, who in the world do you think you are? And how are you going to take that relationship and quote unquote, use it? Um, and how you talk about God, how do you use how you talk about God to affect change in the world, to make yourself feel better, to be a person of faith? What does the name of God have to do with any of that? Don't do it badly. And right. I thought that that was really helpful to kind of move it away from the just don't say the wrong word. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and you were also pointing out um, in our, our conversation before we started recording that, that this has to do with power. Yes. This has to do with manipulation, right? This is, this is when we start to, to try to use the name of God or to talk about God in such a way that we're exercising power or control or manipulation over someone else or a group of people. Can you... Yeah. Say, say some things that you, you were thinking about in terms of, of that matter. Well, I mean, briefly, it goes back to some things that people reading this text or hearing these words in person, if, um, if you were an Israelite in the desert hearing God speak these words to you, you would have in your head, right? And that is about, in that context, knowing someone's true name is... Having, means having power over them. This is true in a lot of cultures, but the ancient Near East in particular. And so if you know somebody's true name, you have power over them. It's the Rumpelstiltskin effect, right? Yeah. Um, it's lit literally the same thing. And so when um, Jacob wrestles with the angel and wants to know who the, who the angel is and the angel won't tell him, it's that's about power. That's about who's in charge, who's going to win that wrestling match. So in the same way, this is in the back of people's minds when God says, don't misuse my name. This God who has said, I am who I am, right? Who has named God's self in a very particular way that is very hard to get a hold of. When, um, when we try to put God's name in a box, here we are again, trying to control God, just like what we've discussed over the last few weeks. When we try to let go, I know who God is. I know what God is. I know exactly how to talk about God and other people need to do it the same way I do. God says, actually, 
don't misuse my name. You, you cannot use me as a means to an end. I think that's the easiest way to talk about it. You may not crunch me down into your definition and just use that over and over again to batter people over the head, feeling familiar at all. <laughs> um, you, I mean, I think we see it everywhere, right? To use that, use God's name to, as a justification for committing an act of evil or pretending to serve God so that you can get your political ends met while actually failing to take care of people the way that God would have taken care of them. All of those things I think fit in misusing God's name in the way that this text is talking about. Good stuff. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I guess I would add that um, if it's about power and exercising control, then uh, it's also about humility. Oh my gosh. Say more about that. What's so, that? What's that mean? I, I think that if we, we can find ourselves, if we're not, and I, I, I've seen this throughout um, my time in the church and my time in being a person of faith. Uh, if we are not careful then we can find ourselves elevating our understanding of God or our grasp of God or even manipulating God such that we say things like, you know, God, tell, God told me this. Oh, God, God told me um, that I should be doing this. Or God told me to tell, I've heard this, God told me to tell you. And that kind of, that's, a, that's about a, a, um, a certain amount of ego that's involved to say that you you have a direct line somehow with the God of the universe that you can convey to someone the exact words of God, that to me is extremely problematic and again has to do with manipulation. I think that, that it's so important that when we, we talk about God, that we come at this with a tremendous amount of humility. And I think there's actually, we were talking about this beforehand too, I think there's freedom in that humility. There's a tremendous amount of freedom to say instead of, I've got God figured out, my doctrines, my, my Bible, my whatever has captured God in this way, such that I can speak with all of this confidence about God. Um, there's freedom in being able to say, actually? Well, no. I don't know. This is so fascinating because it my undergraduate degree is in psychology. So I often like trip back to uh, theories I was taught in school. And it reminds me that, you know, one of the most common uh, traps for human beings is confirmation bias, that we see and accommodate things that we already expect to see or not. Right. So it, you, you saying like, oh, there's freedom in this. If I just say, I actually don't know what God is capable of, or I don't know what God is, or I don't know God's full name, right? I don't know. What God don't, is saying or doing or anything. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have inklings. I have leadings. I have, I've seen fruit. I, I've experienced grace. I, I understand what happens when, you know, all of those things are very different than I know, and therefore you're wrong or you're right. Um, but that the confirmation bias piece is we'll see what we expect to see. And if we let go of these preconceived notions of God, if we let go of these expectations, yeah. then I, I feel like, Oh, a, a huge burden lifted off of me because it's like, 
oh, I might see God doing things that I'm not seeing right now because I'm not expecting them. Does that make, uh, does that fit with what you're saying about humility? Totally, totally, totally. And, and, and also when I talk about humility, I'm also talking about checking ourselves. Uh, we really need to do regularly. I think that in, um, that, and in, perhaps particularly, um, clergy people carry this even more and probably should and and should like it's part of our responsibility as as theologians um to be really careful and to check ourselves as soon as we think we've got god figured out and therefore we have something to say in light of our having figured that out we'd better check ourselves on that. And I, I don't think it's just clergy folks. I think a lot of us fall victim to that, thinking that we understand God or God's ways such that we could say with authority yeah. something about someone else to speak uh, or, or to, to include someone or to exclude someone, to pass judgment on someone, any of those things. I think we really need to be careful and check ourselves and be humble enough to not fall into that trap because that, and, and in a bit, I'll probably share a story about how I found myself doing that as a clergy person. But I, I think it's incredibly important that, that humility also include that. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I think it's why it was so important for us to attach the Luke passage and the James passage to this because both of them are about what is in our hearts and what comes out of our mouths um, are related and how we are perceived by the world as people of faith will be understood by what we say and how we say it, but also where it's coming from. And so there's this like constant churning relationship amongst how we view the world and how we view God the words that come out of our mouth and vice versa. Um, and so we have to constantly, as you said, be checking ourselves on what we are saying about the things we believe and what we are believing about the things we are saying. Yeah. And so with that in mind, I do want to say, I want to say something that maybe parents will appreciate it. That I say, please don't hear the pastors of Portsmouth Union Church saying Swear all you want and say whatever you want. That's <laughs> not what we're saying. Not what we're saying at all. In fact, I would say that if you find yourself pretty regularly engaging in base conversation and <laughs> in, in in vulgarity and profanity, um, that's an opportunity to check yourself too. What's going on in your heart and in your life? And, and do some self-examination. So uh, I, I want to be careful about, you and I are both prone to and have an appreciation for salty language. I know that. Um, yes. That doesn't mean that, that we're just, we have license to say whatever because it's not about the swearing piece. It is about a reflection of our heart. And I think, I think we do want to also check where our heart is at. Yeah, I, I go back to... Um, other parts of scripture that talk about not becoming a stumbling block for other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, there is this, it, again, we're in the 10 commandments, which the last six, you could argue all 10 of them probably, but at least the last, last six are, how are you affecting your neighbor? Mm. 
through what you say, through what you do, through what your heart has in it. And I, I think that if we're going to make the mistake of assigning swearing to this one, I think we could talk about it in other places. False right. witness is one of those. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're going to talk about swearing, we always have to ask the question, who are we putting a stumbling block in front of around faith? And yeah. that's a better measure than this particular text for how to do that. So also many of the Proverbs, so many of the Psalms, we have lots of places we can go to talk about what we say. And I also think you mentioned stumbling block. I, I think the other thing that I would point out is a misunderstanding of the, um, the, the importance, even maybe the severity of this particular commandment is also a stumbling block for hmm. people who might be interested in God because of the way that historically and even currently they see the name of God. They see God being manipulated in such a way yes. to control and to, to do evil, to exclude um, because of that, people look and they say, I don't want anything to do with that. I, if that's God, yeah. I don't want that because that's terrible and evil. And, and I, so this is maybe an opportunity to tell the story that I wanted to tell. Before I go just preaching about everyone who's doing this and how bad they are, I think all of us, if we're not careful, can find ourselves um, manipulating using God. And, uh, and so many years ago when I was a youth pastor, um, there was a young woman who, uh, who came to me to talk to me and a uh, young woman in our youth group. And she said, Andy, I am, um, I'm in love with my boyfriend and I am sleeping with my boyfriend. And because I'm in love with my boyfriend, I cannot marry him at this time, but I am in love and we are committed and I'm not going to stop sleeping with him. And my understanding of scripture at the time, and also kind of an expectation that I felt put on me by parents, which is to influence their children to do the right thing by using God. Um, I, I remember looking at, at this young woman and saying, um, well, if you are making a conscious choice to do that, which is against what the Bible says about premarital sexual um, behavior, uh, then I don't know if you can be a part of this youth group anymore. Ugh. Yeah. The fact that I said that, I mean, looking back, I, uh, I mean, that, that puts the very fear of God in me. I'm not afraid of God, but also it should put the fear of God because here I was using God to try to control behavior and determine who is in and who is out. Um, I don't, I think that, well, that, I'll just say this. I wonder if we often still do that in some ways. We do it in large and small ways, mm. right? I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's a great example. We could all come up with an example of a time when we kind of pulled the God card on somebody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this says what, I mean, this is pretty extreme saying there's no acquittal. No acquittal. Whew. None available. Yeah, I know what that means I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and so how do we boil this down, right? Like, how do we know what to do or what not to do? And I think, you know, we can look at the text from uh, Luke again and remind ourselves that, like, 
good hearts have good fruit, right? And so we will show ourselves, um, we will show ourselves in the world. And that, you know, anytime that we do something in the name of God, we had better be paying real close attention to where that's actually coming from. And, and, you know, you used examples, negative examples of folks who are, you know, we're, we're seeing all over the place. Christianity has a terrible reputation for a lot of reasons and well-earned. Um, but also those, you know, folks who are doing many things in the name of God that are on the service, the side of justice, on the side of peace, um, those folks are less likely to say, I'm doing this in the name of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to just listen differently and pay attention differently. Um, and maybe sometimes take a risk and say, you know what, I'm supporting this because I'm a Christian or because I respect the God of the, the universe. Like this, God told me that I need to love my neighbor and I'm doing that. And to be explicit about that because yeah. it balances things out a little bit. And that's a little bit of a risk having just told it. We just told everybody to be real careful about that. Yeah. But even so, just to say things like, I, I am active in this way because this is what yes. Jesus looks like to me. Yes. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. This is what it means to, to follow Jesus. It, to me, this is what the, that looks like. And again, the way we frame that is, uh, is important as well. There's some humility in even saying yeah. to me, to me. I look at Jesus. This is how I see this playing out in the world. Not this is, yeah. <laughs> this is an absolute, the, the lack of absolutes, um, I think is really important when we start to talk about doing things in the name of God. Yeah. And th- I think maybe that's the good news to me in all of this is as we're making our way through these various texts over the 10 weeks, I'm realizing that literally every single one of them is relational. Mm. Everyone is looking back or forward at a relationship, at a relationship with the God who freed me from slavery, at a relationship with the people around me who are my neighbors in some way who are also enslaved by something um, and need to, and are desiring freedom from that. And like in myself, like it's all relational and that's very good news because it takes it from this like top-down commandment follow the rules experience that's very abstract and hard to get into it in a real practical life and says actually it's a conversation yeah yeah conversation absolutely yeah what good news do you bring out of it i think that just going back to that piece about uh not having to have God figured out, um, being invited to be humble about um, what we know about God, what we know about what God says, what God does. To me, that's, that's liberating. That's good news uh, and allows me to, um, to move freely, uh, trusting that God will be God and, and, and I will be me and I will seek to embody the way of God and the way of, of Jesus in particular, that embodiment of God. Um, but that I don't, and I shouldn't have it all figured out. And if I think I do, that's when I'm most likely going to be guilty of using the Lord's name in vain, of using the Lord's name incorrectly. Yeah. All right. Well, 
we're, we're accustomed to asking people questions and um, we really only have one today unless we want to add any, Andy. No, I think we give, I think we do the big one. Just one big one. Here's your assignment. One big question. And you have to listen to the song that Andy posts. <laughs> it's homework. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Love it. Um, we're sorry in advance is all we'll say. But the question is, and, and taking into account this conversation, right? Beyond swearing, beyond the things that we jump at and have reaction to originally, but what does using the Lord's name in vain look like in your life? Hmm. How do you do it? And really get underneath, what does it mean for you to stop misusing God in this way? So what does using the Lord's name in vain look like in your life? And you have to watch that YouTube video, which we will post for you. But, um, well, before then, we're going to pray you out. So Andy, you want to take us out with prayer? Yeah. Mysterious and loving God, who knows us so well and is in many ways unknowable and yet as close as our very breath, we thank you for being present during this conversation, for being present with us always. We thank you that you have liberated us from needing to know everything there is to know about you, which is impossible. And yet you still seek to draw near to us. We pray that you will continue to do so beyond this conversation as the conversation continues Forgive us for those times we have used your name in vain. We have manipulated others via you. And help us to understand what it means to live with you and to live for you. In love for everyone. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to sing the benediction for us. <coughs> And then uh, we'll send you out into your Sunday. So let's sing together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace. Stay at home to love and serve the Lord. Go in peace, friends. We miss you. We love you. Miss you.